welcome to Entrepreneur Conundrum with Virginia Purnell, where growing entrepreneurs share how they get visible online. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Yoka about how she helps business owners solve their lead gen problem. Yoka is a YouTube and content expert and business mentor on a mission to help entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a sustainable and aligned way. She's worked with brands such as Samsung and Spotify and grew her agency, Unbound Creative Agency, to multiple six plus figures in ARR in five weeks time. Yoka and her team help entrepreneurs build lead generation brand. Yoka and her team help entrepreneurs build lead generating personal brands. In the last year alone, they made over or just under $200 million in sales for their clients, all by leveraging strategic content and systems. Welcome, Yoka. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here and to discuss this topic. It will be a good one for sure. I'm really excited to hear your journey and how you came to where you are today yeah it's like it's a very non-linear journey I think I always I'm not gonna say I always knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur but I was always entrepreneurial so even as a kid I was the kid in school that would organize treasure hunts when like one of our teachers had a birthday and I would like go to the principal and be like, can we use the hallways? And I would tell the entire like class, like you have this assignment. And if they answer correctly, you have to send them here. And if they answer wrong, you have to send them back and like the whole thing. And then at the end they would get their present. And then during my teenage years, I got very like into arts and music and, and film. And I did a short stint as like a television producer at a very young age, uh, around 15, 16, I started working for national television as a television producer. And then at 18, um, I was like, I'm going to study music. And got accepted in the cons- into the conservatory and moved abroad to go and study. And my entire family was like, what's up with this child? (laughs) Why does she not just go to university, which is sort of the path that everyone else in my family was taking. And so I went and I had this big dream of becoming a musician and I had been dreaming about it for years. And I think a lot of us know what that is. Like you set a goal, like I'm going to be this, I'm going to be this. And then you start doing it and you're like, I don't really like it. This isn't nothing like I imagined it would be. First off, I came from like, a very more like a traditional sort of school and I did music on the side. So I was sort of the golden girl. Oh, wow. She's so creative. She's so good. And then you get to the conservatory and you're no longer the only golden girl. Everyone's golden. And I had a hard time like dealing with that, but I also just noticed that the people that I went to school with could talk about music for hours and hours. And I could talk about business for hours and hours. And I started my first business when I was about 19 years old. So I was a vocal teacher. I always had way too many students just by posting on like forums and stuff like that. And all my like friends from from the conservatory were also teaching music. They were like, I don't know how you do it. I can never find students. I was like, "Uh uh-huh, can make some money here. (laughs) So I started... um, literally just a website but it was sort of positioned as music school for pop music instruments in a certain city and then every time that someone signed up through the website I would find one of my friends that was teaching music in their home and I would just send 
my students there, but then I would invoice the students and my friends would invoice me and I would take a cut on top of that. And that sort of got me started with like, oh, you can leverage other people's time and make money. And then it was a whole sort of, that was really like my playground where I learned a lot of stuff because how it started was like, I have an idea, I build a website. Took me entire summer with a friend of mine because I didn't know how to build websites yet. So I was like, a friend of mine was helping me to build this website. And by September it was done. I was like, oh my God, it's going to be such a success. And the website went live and absolutely nothing happened <laughs> because I hadn't gone to business school. I didn't know anything actually about business. So I didn't know you have to drive traffic to your website. It's not about, oh, you build something and people magically appear and, and sign up. Like I didn't know that. So I got really discouraged at first and then really motivated about like, okay, how can I make this work? And so I taught myself everything about digital marketing and social media advertising, Google advertising funnels, and then got so interested in that, that I sort of pursued that direction first as a consultant, uh, which eventually led me to consult for Samsung in influencer and social media marketing. And then because I was working for Samsung and we were working closely with an agency that also has Spotify as a client, they reached out and asked me if I could also do some work for Spotify. And as soon as I did that, not only were they really, those jobs were really fun to do, but they were sort of, they catapulted me into building my agency because when people saw that I worked for Samsung and Spotify, all of a sudden on LinkedIn, people were reaching out left and right. Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And so I had, again, sort of the same way that I was teaching vocals and I had too many students, so I needed other people to do it. Same thing. I was consulting in marketing, then got so many people that wanted to work with me that I was like, how can I build an agency? And even that was a learning curve because now like there's so many programs that will take you from like, not having a business to having a successful business in like 12 months and they will teach you everything they know. I really figured everything out by myself. So I didn't have a core offer. I didn't have specific services. I knew a lot about a lot of things and I was helping other people do that. And so along the way, we sort of niched down and became very specific about what we did. And we found something that we're really good at that combines everything that I love, which is storytelling and creativity and, and video and music and combining that with actual marketing data and strategy and how can you use that and tell stories while also attracting your ideal client and building something that will bring in leads for years to come. And that is what we do now with Unbound Creative Agency, where we help entrepreneurs often in high ticket who have high ticket programs or high ticket sales um, build lead generating personal brands. And last year alone, we did over 200 million in sales for those clients off of organic. So nothing of like paid advertising or funnels or all organic. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I like, I, I love like when clients, even today, like a client texted me and they're like, I really want to go double my content because like it's starting to work which is of course, especially with organic, like when you run paid advertising very quickly, you can see results, but the moment you turn your ads off, it stops. Mm -hmm. With organic, it's different. Like you often invest like eight months, 10 months, a year, and you're like, is it happening? Is something <laughs> happening? Is, and then it starts. 
And then when it starts, it sort of explodes and it sort of like snowballs. So we have a lot of clients at the agency the first couple of months where we need to go, no, it's working. I assure you it's working. Like I'm not getting business. I'm not, it is working. We're seeing like the Mm -hmm. upward trend. It's going to come. And then today I had a message from someone like, I want to double my retainer. It's starting (laughs) to work. Last month was insane. But yeah, it's having that. That's why like I always say I build businesses in a sustainable way. We lay foundations and make sure that like in two, three, four years time, you're still like making profit off that content that you've created today which is very, very like different than just running ads to a funnel and then sort of pumping people through that. Yes, for sure. So is there a certain kind, like certain niche that you work with? We've done a lot of stuff for like realtors in the US. Um, but I think more important is that we use one specific channel to sort of center the entire content marketing strategy. So we use YouTube and the reason that we use YouTube is because like if you compare it to Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, YouTube has a very powerful search algorithm. So it's the second largest search engine in the world or on the internet, let's say like that, (laughs) Uh, on the internet, um, Google being the first one, but again, YouTube is like owned by Google. So basically if if you're on YouTube and you do well, your videos are ranking, very often you will also appear in the Google search results at the top as a video. Um, And the reason that we use YouTube is that a lot of people, business owners, entrepreneurs nowadays, they understand that they need to be creating content, but they're just sort of creating content for the sake of creating content. Oh, I have to be on Instagram. I have to be on TikTok. I have to, and like they're doing a million and one things, but there's no strategy behind it. Whereas when you work with YouTube and you have the right tools, you can actually find out what your ideal client is searching for. So you can look at, okay, so my ideal client, let's say that you're, I did some research yesterday and like actively looking to work with like uh, a relationship coach if someone wants to like <laughs> do a partnership with us because that niche is still like very wide open on YouTube. Um, so let's say that people are looking for specific things on attachment styles you can then go into YouTube and use these tools to say, like, how are people searching these topics? What do they want to know? And then you create content around that. So we help our clients first track the data. What are people looking for? What is my ideal client looking for? And then based on that, we provide them with the exact titles and topics that they need to be creating videos on. Mm-hmm. And then we use YouTube at the center. So some people will only be using YouTube. And that works for them. And other people say, like, can you now take my YouTube content and repurpose it? Sort of Gary Vee on steroids, (laughs) I'd like to say, Um, for Instagram and TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn even. But that way, people save a bunch of time and they know that if you post something, let's say, if you post something on Instagram, you can spend so much time creating an IGTV video in-depth all that. And your followers might like it and it might do well the first 24 hours, first 48 hours. After that, there is no active way for anyone on Instagram to search for that video mm-hmm. or f- to, for that topic or for the answers that you've provided in that video. Whereas on YouTube, if you optimize it correctly for the search results, in seven years time, when someone researches, let's say, what is fearful avoidant attachment style, there's your video. Yeah. 
and they will still be able to find you that way and then click through to your YouTube channel, which hopefully will be a source of value for your ideal client. And then, of course, they will go like, oh, is this person on Instagram? Is this person? But the discoverability on YouTube is so much larger than, oh, I stumbled upon someone on Instagram by accident. Didn't really mean to, but it was interesting. Um, whereas on YouTube, these, the people are actively looking for the answers that you can provide. So that's what we help our clients with like, how can you create a YouTube channel where almost every video will be found in the search results and is another sort of touch point for someone who doesn't even know of you. And then they can come to your channel and, and consume all the rest of your content, find you on Instagram, Facebook, if you want to do that. And the way that this works so well is that the whole marketing cycle of like not knowing someone to knowing someone, liking someone, trusting someone, you need, previously people would say like, you need seven touch points, but what is a touch point? It's not, that's not really defined. Now I would say it's like, you need at least seven hours of content consumed before someone is willing to decide, am I going to buy or am I not going to buy? Mm -hmm. So seven hours of content consumed on Instagram, they need to follow you for a very, very long time because it's a reel here and it's a graphic there and it's a story here, but like that takes a long time before someone consumes seven hours of content on Instagram. Whereas on YouTube, that's very easy. That's very like, if your videos are 15 to 20 minutes long and you cover every topic that your ideal client is looking for in one afternoon, in two days, three days, they've watched and consumed all that content. And the way, of course, we work with a lot of high ticket entrepreneurs, they sell high ticket um, consultancy or services or even like houses. And so often what they need is they need people to be nurtured, that leads to be nurtured enough for them to be ready to jump on a discovery call instead of like having to cold message people, hey, this is what we do. Do you want to have a discovery call? And people don't know you and they don't show up on these calls. You now have videos on YouTube where in every video they go like, this is my number, text me, call me. And they have it forwarded to someone in their team that's available or simply saying like, hey, book a call with me. There's a calendar link in the description. And that way, like people are seeing, we have a mortgage professional and he's like, I'm adding 60 leads a month to my pipeline simply from one YouTube channel. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Once I discovered like the whole searchability and how you can rank, uh, it's a different way of looking at content. And it gives you some structure as well that you know that you're actually creating content that people are looking for. And then it's just about setting up the right systems and using VAs or an agency to repurpose that content for you automatically. When I record a podcast episode, I then file it in our project management system. We have a certain form for that. And it triggers, I think, roughly 45 tasks for my team to create a YouTube video, to create a podcast episode, to create infographics, to create reels, to create TikTok videos. And it all happened. I recorded a podcast episode. It took me 40 minutes, maybe another 20 minutes to upload it and fill out the forms or an hour. And that is now 45 pieces of content without me having to look at it. Yeah. So it's such a beneficial use of your time. Yeah, because although I do, like we have clients that only do YouTube and they're, they are successful as well and it's working for them, I do 100% believe is the more content you put out, the more reach you'll have and the 
faster your business will grow. Mm-hmm. Well, and they- not completely. If you put out like content that completely does not resonate with your target audience, you can put out a thousand pieces of content a day. It's still not going to work. But if you do it strategically, the more content like that you can put out, the better for your business. Yes. And they have that YouTube up there. They can at least repurpose it later if that's something that they want to do too. Yeah. So what do you guys do to get in front of your ideal clients? Say like the... So, yeah, we all, we're also on YouTube. So that I am very much like, I think a lot of us are like, we give great advice and we don't always follow it. Like it's the same with like when friends come to you for advice and you have the best advice. And then when you think about it, you're like, oh, I didn't actually, I don't do that myself. And so for the longest time, that is sort of what was going on with the agency. So we started with just a handful of clients and people were so happy that they kept referring other people. So we grew real really quickly without doing what we were preaching. Mm-hmm. And so it isn't until like the last couple of months where I was like, this is really unacceptable. Like you cannot be preaching this and then not doing it yourself. I, so we've started doing that for Unbound and I have a channel from way back when I was consulting my personal channel on like Facebook ads and, and stuff like that, which weirdly enough, I have not been consistent on, but still my videos like have a couple of thousand of views on them simply because I optimize it again for the search results. So over the years that sort of racks up the views. Um, but we've now started doing that and we are very much like practicing what we preach and doing that for ourselves as well. And we were seeing results already, like even videos, like that's the whole thing. People also think like, I need to get like millions of views on my videos and you don't have to have a million views. If you sell high ticket services and, or a coaching program or anything that is like, let's say over $500 a course. If you have a hundred people watching your video, but those are hundred people that are actively like your ideal client, I would rather have that than have a million views of people that think my video is entertaining, but will never actually take action from it. So we've had leads come in from videos that have 50 views, but those are very targeted videos and very targeted views. So it's a different, again, it's a different way of looking at content and metrics such as followers and stuff like that, because I have a very small personal brand, I think less than 5,000 followers, but I'm, I get business mm-hmm. from that personal brand. Which is great. So what are a couple of the goals that you want to achieve in the next year or two? I don't like the phrase I want to achieve um, in the Sorry. sense yeah. that... <laughs> Yeah. If you say I want to, all you're getting is like the wanting feeling. Like if you look at manifestation, like, oh, I want to get here. Sure. Here's your wanting, right? Like the universe is like, sure, want it. It's fine. So what I am going to achieve in the next two years, I would, I am going to get to 4 million in profit. So I don't, revenue is one thing, but talking about profit is something different. Like you can have 10 million in profit at 10 million in revenue and not make any profit. Right. Um, so I'm going to go to 4 million in profit for my different business ventures, but most importantly, I want to sustainably scale while having time for my child and where I used to be very much of a hustle culture sort of lady. <laughs> I was like, I can work 14 hours a day. And I really did enjoy that. I'm now at a point where I'm like, how can I work as smart as possible so that I can spend quality time with the people that I love? 
without sacrificing the amount of money I'm making. Because often we feel it's one or the other. It's like, oh, but yeah, it's okay if I make less money because I want to spend time with my family. Sure, okay, if that's fine for you, but like you can do both. And that's sort of what I'm working on now. Making sure that I I can like I continuously tell myself, you can have it all. Uh, which is very contradictory to what we're taught as children. Very much. <laughs> so how would achieving that affect your business? I'm sorry, we cut out for a moment. Can you repeat that? Yes. How would achieving your your goal, so that $4 million in profit, affect your business? I think it wouldn't just affect my one business. I'm currently at a point where I'm sort of starting and running three businesses at once. For me, I see, first off, money is freedom, but it's also a way to add even more value. So I'm actively looking at realigning my business ventures with who I am as a person and what I want to achieve as my life's mission, not so much just my business mission. So inspiring other people to live inspiring lives and to consciously make decisions um, about their lives and being aware of like, oh, hey, why do I do this? Is that because I want to do that? Is that because I was sort of taught that this is what I need to want? Um, so for me, four million in profit will mean more money to invest in other ventures that would be for the sort of good of the collective. Um, and it would mean that I, even now, like a lot of the people in my team, they're all remote and they're international. A lot of them are from the Philippines. And I do pride myself in the fact that I pay way more than other people pay their VAs in the Philippines and, and sort of really building a team. And now even seeing, like I was on a call with my operations manager two days ago and he was like, it was my daughter's birthday yesterday and three people from our team came and they're like, they hadn't, had never met. They've been working together for two years and they had never met in person because everyone's remote. And so to see that you can create a culture like that simply by treating people right and making sure that I find it important that even people on my team, I never say people that work for me, people on my team, they're, they're my team, they've built this with me and that they enjoy coming to work. And that like the only reason that I've had people leave our agency is because they want to pursue different careers, but it's never been because they want to work for other people or they want to work in a different team. And I make sure to check in with my team like every month or so. Hey, are you still enjoying this? What could we do to make it better? And I think more profit would also allow, we're working with creative people and yes, it's a business venture. And so in order to be profitable as a business, sometimes the creativity goes out of it a little bit and it becomes a little bit of like how, how many more edits can we put with this editor and how many more graphic designs can we put with that person and more profit would also mean that we can let creative people be creative by giving them a little bit more time and freedom to do so so all of that like again money is just it's energy and it's value and it's how you can add even more value to your team and to the world so i look at it like that and then, of course, I also look at it just from a personal perspective. Like, I want to take really cool vacations with my kid and sort of show him all the beauty the world has to offer. So, yeah, that. 
do you feel like there's anything, I'm going to say roadblock that might be holding you back or something that you need to, to change, whether it's changing your mindset or anything like that to help you achieve your goal? I think, I think different mindset. When I first started my business, I definitely started it from a perspective. And I think a lot of us do where you're chasing something or running from something and thinking that if I get to this goal, all my problems are going to magically disappear. <laughs> and so I got to that point uh, before I got pregnant where I realized, oh, I'm like making more money than I ever thought was possible. And I still have these issues. Um, and so for me, and it's going to sound really cheesy and also a little bit like a first world problem, but it's like allowing joy and allowing all the goodness to come to you without questioning why it's coming or if you deserve it or like the whole inner monologue. And, and that's what I've seen in my business where I push and like, I'm a manifestation. I push and I push and I push and I reach this incredible goal. And then there's this little voice in the back of my head that goes, you could lose it all. Or like, is it really, you're an imposter and all this. And so you can see even in my, in my business to this day where you see like you reach a new goal and then you sort of like, or pull this almost like a rubber band, like you're pulled back. And I'm like, no, 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 let me stretch it again. I'm like, so to sustainably be able to like stretch my my space for holding my container for holding money, for training people, for leading my team, in order to do that, I will have to sort of shift my mindset where somehow there's always like I'm always ready for what's going to show up, what is going to pop up around the corner. Whereas I'm now training my nervous system and my brain to be like, nothing, nothing's going to pop up around the corner. And if it does, we will deal with it then, but don't spend your energy now sort of prepping for when it does, because then you're sort of telling the universe it is going to happen. Send it to me. Uh, and I think one of my coaches said it best, she was talking about money mindset and she's like, who here has the, the, the inner monologue of like, I need to have 10 grand, 15 grand in my bank account for when something happens. And she's like, you understand that when you do that, every time that you hit that number, something is going to happen. Because you're saying, when I have this amount of money, I am ready for something to happen. <laughs> and so I stopped doing that. I stopped saying, like, I, I, I need this this month. I'm just like, I am 100% certain that I'm getting to $4 million in profit. I don't know how I'm getting there yet, but I will figure it out. That's the big key, hey? Like, leaving that space open for it to happen and not trying to force it to yeah. happen. Yeah. And that for me, like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs as well, like we like to control things <laughs> and we like, like, this is how I want it. And I'm going to get it like this. And, and when I look back at like how my biggest wins have happened, they always came unexpectedly when I was just being me in my element and allowing things to happen uh, compared to when I was like, I'm going to build all of this stuff and this is going to happen. And that is going to, it never worked. So I'm just trusting the process now <laughs> and it will come. You're enjoying the journey. <laughs> exactly. Very much so. Yes. And I think for the first time in my life where I can 
I think also once you start making the money, you realize, well, that didn't fix it. So what do I now want to do every day? And I just want to work on cool stuff with cool people and do that the rest of my life. Sounds like a great plan. <laughs> yes. I've got it all figured out right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so on that note, what is some of the best advice that you have ever received? As I told you, I don't know if it was during the recording or prior to it. I don't do very well when people tell me what I have to do. But I think one of my key takeaways this year was to really touch in with what feels right. So for the longest time in relationships and business in, in my life, I've been trying to figure out what the right thing to do is or what it means to be a good person. And this was like the first year where I was like, hmm, maybe that's subjective. And I don't like that subjective. And also if it's subjective, am I gonna start pivoting every time someone else has an opinion on what is right or what is the good thing to do and stuff like that. So it's really about getting back in touch with myself and allowing it to feel right. And if it doesn't, to not have to have, like, to not need an explanation for that. This doesn't feel right. I don't want to do it. And to just let it be that instead of like, but why? Is there something wrong with me? Maybe this is a discomfort from growth and like the constant inner monologue. So I think that like advice came from a coach I'm working with where, where he was like, you could also just like allow it to be and, and understand that you can make your own decisions and it's not based on what objectively is right or wrong. So I guess that for the last year. <laughs> Which could be hard though, right? Like it can be hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Especially if like you've spent the majority of your life. I don't like the term people pleasing because it's not as if I feel like if I were 100% people pleaser, I would not have been able to build my business. But I do feel that a lot of the things that I've done in life were done. How to explain this? We all have like certain beliefs that have been passed down to us or things that we think that we need to do in life. And then some people follow that without thinking and other people go like, I'm going to be nothing like that. And I was like the second version, but you're still not doing what you want to do. You're just doing the opposite of what you've been told. So you have no clue of what it actually is that you want. All you're doing is the opposite of what you were told that you needed to do. And so that's like this year, the first year. Yeah, that's the first year this year where I'm like, huh, maybe parts of what I was taught, I actually like. And maybe other parts I don't. So now I'm sort of figuring out that in business and in life of like, what parts do I want to keep? What parts do I want to do differently um but it is when you've like for the like the majority of your life you're sort of for me gone against the green and just gone the opposite way and I have to stop myself and be like is it really necessary to reinvent the wheel and to like <laughs> go completely against everyone else so yeah but it's been fun and I'm turning 30 this year so it's, it's good timing <laughs> <laughs> What is some of the best advice that you've ever given? 
I think in general, but that's also just something that I believe it's like heaven and hell are a place on earth and you make it yourself. Yeah. So I firmly believe that, like, I, I do believe in God. Uh, I wasn't raised in church or anything. I do believe in God. I'm very spiritual. Um, I believe we're all parts of God and that we are bound and that we're all one and that heaven and earth isn't so much a place that you go to after you die, but it is very much a reality that you create for yourself while you're here. I think after you die, you go to like the purest form of love and, and that's it, no matter what you've done on earth. Um, but you create your heaven and hell right here. And that's with your thoughts and the people that you surround yourself with and all that. And as soon as I realized that, everything in life changed because it's like, oh, I can create all of this stuff myself. So when friends come to me and, and they sort of are stuck in the matrix, <laughs> That's, I guess, the advice that I give. It's like, you're, you can choose. You, you create your heaven or you create your hell, but it's up to you to do it. Which, go, which ties along in what we were talking about, about like enjoying the journey. Like, am I necessarily, why am I going against the grain? Choosing to yeah. have the joy. Yeah, when things happen, whether that's in your personal life or, or business, what we call failures, but I don't see them that way. You, you can choose to hold on to that or to let it go or to learn from that. It's all up to you. Like you might not be able to, to completely influence the circumstances around you or the people around you. You can't like do that. Um, but you 100% get to decide how you think about it afterwards and how you frame that for yourself and, and what thoughts you're going to think. So that so true there is one thing that i would like to hear your answer on um so how do you find fuel in hardship and how do you break open instead of breaking down so i think first off the difference between breaking open and breaking down it took me a long time to realize that like i said i'm a little bit of a rebel so when like bad stuff or like or hardships would happen i would be like this is not gonna break me and i realized you don't get a choice in whether something breaks you you do get a choice whether something breaks you down or breaks you open the breaking is happening and if you refuse to even acknowledge that you're already in breakdown you're going like nope ignoring what is going on i'm not going to feel my feelings i'm just going to keep on pushing whereas breaking open means okay i'm gonna feel all the feelings and I'm going to allow those to transform me. And I'm going to take this experience and turn it into one of my biggest blessings. And that for me is a skill that you can learn. It is something that you can train your brain to do the same way that our body does not know the difference between fear or excitement. When you start feeling your heart racing and like palpitations and like little jitters, you can, you're, you can tell your brain, I'm afraid, or you can tell yourself, I'm so excited. And it's the same thing when something like when, when a hard situation happens in life or in business, you can tell yourself that this is hard and this is difficult and I don't know how to do this. Or you can reframe it and go, this is a challenge. And I like a challenge. <laughs> and so for me, it's, it's that it's, 
sort of the same way where like when I said earlier, when people are stuck in the matrix, I know that I said it as a joke, but I truly believe it. And so as soon as you start seeing that everything around you was created by other people, the things that you believe were created by other people, the laws that we live by were created by other people. Those are the people who are not smarter than you. So when something happens in life, I look at it very much in sort of a like, gamified way of like, okay, how can we, how can, what can we play with this? How can we turn it in a way that this will now become my fuel? Um, so I am turning 30 and sometimes when I tell people about my life, they're like, you've lived like five people's lives. Like you've gone through so much stuff. So my, my dad died when I was very young due to depression and suicide. And so growing up with that, you grow up thinking that there might've been something wrong with you because why otherwise, what, like what other reason would there be for your dad to, to do that? So to learn, to reframe that and to start to understand even that that has nothing to do with you, you have to create room between what you're feeling and who you are and how you're going to react and all of that. And I think once you start doing that, it becomes this thing that you can play with and that, and that you can turn to your advantage. So even now when, when hardship happens during it, I can hear my brain go, what am I supposed to learn from this? What am I going to do with this? How can I, Whereas before I would go into breakdown by simply ignoring that it would break me. I'd be like, and these people are not going to break me or this situation is not going to break me. I would just go full force ahead without allowing myself a moment to just sit there and go like, oh, wow, that was really painful. Hey, but I am capable of feeling that pain. Hey, I'm capable of sitting in that pain and letting it subside because a feeling is just a feeling. And then I can go on and still be resilient and still be this person that figures everything out. Um, but that has happened through all of these experiences where you, this is, this is going to sound really weird. The more bad, bad, I don't even label it like that, but let's call it like more bad stuff that happened in my life. The more I started realizing my own power where I was like, Oh, been here survived the first time gonna be easier this time and that's why i say it's a skill that you can train where you go like the first time something awful happened the first time that you lose someone that you love that someone that you love dies your world crumbles and you become freakishly aware of your own mortality by the 10th person you're like people die and that's not to say that you don't feel sad or that you, but I have learned to love the people that are around me while they're here. And I'm very aware of the fact that they're going to die. And I know that when they're going to die, I'm going to be fine. But that only happened because I've lost a lot of people. So it is, uh, it is trauma and blessing all rolled into one. And it totally changes your energy too. being able to look at a situation and be like, all right, what am I learning from this? Or just being in it for a moment, right? Yeah. Rather than just full force ahead, like let's shift higher gears and burn through it. Right? Yeah. Because when you do that, even though you say it's not affecting you, you are allowing it 
to define who you are again, because you're going to be like, I am not the person that this happened to. Mm-hmm. And by saying that it's already defined you. Whereas if you go like this happened, doesn't define who I am. Like, and that you can acknowledge that these things happen. And like, maybe I don't even believe anymore. And I think like this shouldn't have happened. Or like when people are like, you should have learned by now you yeah, like, clearly you didn't or I didn't and everyone's on their own timing to learn their lessons so show yourself some compassion because by telling yourself that you should have learned you're actually preventing yourself from learning in the future because you're already shaming yourself saying like I'm a slow learner I don't learn quick enough or like no you learn in your own timing and every experience there's no right or wrong experience it's just an experience and once you can start looking at stuff like that, for me, a lot of things changed. I got, and for the better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like there's a lot more space and you don't take things so personal. And I think from an energy perspective, especially as an entrepreneur, people can feel that. When I jump on a call with someone and it's for the agency and I'm trying to like, see if it would be, I don't even say it's a sales call. I say like, let's hop on a call and see if we're a good fit because my worth and, and the worth of my business does not depend on me landing the sale from you. Like I would love to work with you, but if you're like energetically, it's not a match and it's not a match. And then I wish you all the best and, and move forward. And like, I go about my day the same as if you had signed the deal. Mm-hmm. And people can feel that. I think if you if you run a service-based business or a coaching business and then people can feel on the call that you are desperate to make the sale and you need the money, you've already lost people. That, like the same in the dating situation. Like you don't want to be dating with someone who clearly wants you so much more than you want them. And so true. it's energy. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Yoke, is there anything that you would like to share with us that I haven't asked yet or that we haven't talked about yet? I think we, we've talked a, like a lot about like the, the content stuff and about mindset as well. I think the one thing that I would want to say just in general to anyone trying to, to, to start or scale a business is to do it because you enjoy the day-to-day activities that you're doing. If you're doing it thinking that if you get to a certain point, everything else is going to magically resolve itself, then listen to this again in like a year. (laughs) 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 And then you'll get it. No, I think like find the joy in the process, like you said, and that that's you want to wake up and, and be happy with what you're doing. And if you can do that, I think you're a very wealthy person. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was yeah. fun. This is the first time that I'm on the other side of the interview. Changes the perspective a bunch, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. But it was fun, though. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, I can't wait to hear the episode. If you don't mind sending me the recording as well, then I can have my team. Like, I'll, I'll ask them to cut some social stuff from it. I'm just going to carry on with the interview, if that's okay. Just ending it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Yoka, again, for the great interview. I've really enjoyed having you on. Where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? 
Sure. So they can either just go to our website, which is unboundcreativeagency.com for more information on agency services or free training and tools. That's going to be up there real soon. Or they can find me on YouTube with uh, just typing in Joke de Swift or on Instagram, I am Joke de Swift, which is J-O-K-E-D-E-S-W-E-R-T. That's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and we'll chat soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and leave some love through a review and I'll catch you on the next episode.